0: On August 1st, 1989, a young man is enjoying a beverage at the First Leader Pub in Prince George, British Columbia. Desperate for work, he meets a man that promises him a camp job along with his wife. But the catch is, they must leave that night. They ride along with the man and are never seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the Jack family.
1: A group of advocates in the United States and Canada released new photos hoping to drum up new leads in a historic missing persons case. Online group Unidentified Human Remains Canada released aged progression photos of the missing Jack family from British Columbia. It's been 31 years since Ronnie, Doreen, Ryan, and Russell Jack vanished without a trace in Prince George, B.C. in 1989. The new photos released last month show what the family may now look like. Samantha Steinberg, a forensic artist with the Miami-Dade Police Department, composed the photos free of charge for the family. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank Moist, extremely moist because it's raining like a son of a gun here the last couple of days, basement. You
0: ain't kidding, man. I went to jujitsu the other night, and we were on the interstate going about 20 because it was raining so hard.
1: I have. My old butt has had to do yard work since the son's lawn care business is still going, but he's doing football. And my nearly 50-year-old tail cannot weed eat for an hour And a half for three straight days without my shoulder saying, hey, stupid, you're too old for this.
0: (laughs) But... Yeah, you're not going to catch me dead weed eating. No, not going to happen.
1: That $150 I made kind of makes up for a sore shoulder.
0: That's true. That's a good point.
1: So, we had a new patron. Wanted to give her a shout out just in case everybody missed it. Miss Kelly's story. She's at the $3 tier. Let's welcome Miss Story. Because she started from episode one. She's working her way forward. She did reach out and say, does the $1,000 tier still exist? And if so, will I get her name tramp stamped? And I told her, yes, the $1,000 tier still exists. And she can pick the script for which her name will be tramp stamped above my crack.
0: Well, it'll be Mysterious Brews presented by.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For at least a year. (laughs) If you don't re- if you don't renew. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a an odd case that I'm n- am amazed a lot of people have not heard about. There's a couple of Reddit threads, but they're kind of old. I never heard
0: of it till you told me about it.
1: And then this is a user request from north of the border and it is the disappearance of the Jack family. And it is Ronald who went by Ronnie Jack, who was 26, and his wife Doreen, who was also 26, their nine year old son Russell, and their four year old son Ryan all went missing. Now, Ronnie would call his mother in the early morning hours of August the 2nd, 1989, to tell her that him and his wife, along with their two sons, would be hitting the road for a couple of weeks. He goes on to explain that him and his wife, Doreen, had been offered a job at a logging camp or ranch and the whole family would be going to the job site. Ronnie and Doreen had been told there was a daycare at the camp. Now, Ronnie indicated to his mother that they would be gone for about 10 days and that they would be back for Russell, the oldest one, who is nine, to start the school year in September. Now, Ronnie had previously been working at a sawmill, but he had injured his back and was currently jobless, and the family was living off of welfare. After speaking with his mother, the family left their home on Stracona Avenue in Prince George, and the call was made from a payphone about 50 kilometers west of Prince George on Highway 16. And any of you that are in the old true crime business will know Highway 16 in Canada is infamously known as the Highway of Tears.
0: Yeah, there has been many, many murders, mostly of indigenous women, along that particular highway.
1: Before calling his mom, the man that offered Ronnie the job told him that him and his wife... Could be working at a logging camp or ranch in the Kukul's Lake area, about forty kilometers west of Prince Cho- George, past Bednesty.
0: Prince George.
1: George. Come on, man. I know I was, you nailed you nailed the opening, and I can't get George out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I stuttered just a, a tad. It wasn't perfect, but we'll take it.
1: Hey, we take it all. They don't, they
0: don't call me one-take coach
1: for nothing. They sure don't, man. You're good for at least one of them a month. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ronnie was offered a job bucking logs, and Doreen was offered a position as a cook's helper in the camp kitchen. The man told Ronnie the camp even had a daycare for the couple's two sons, Russell and Ryan. Jax did not have a car, so the man offered to drive them to the job site, but the catch was they had to leave that night. So... Ronnie meets this man at the First Leader Pub in Prince George on August 1st, 1989. The two went back to his home, and during the early evening hours of the next day is when Ronnie would call his mother. The man was described by patrons at the pub as a white male, 35 to 40, 6 foot to 6 foot 5 inches tall, and approximately 200 to 275 pounds. He had brownish red hair to the bottom of his ears, parted on one side, a clear complexion, complexion, (laughs) a mustache, and a short-trimmed beard. He was wearing a baseball cap, a red checkered work shirt, faded blue jeans, a waist-length blue nylon jacket, and work boots that had leather fringes over the toes. Rocking the fringe.
0: That's pimping right there.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, there's panties dropping all over that pub. (laughs) (laughs) So the man tells Ronnie about the job opportunity and Doreen and Ronnie are like, heck yeah. And Ronnie basically went back, or I guess the guy actually took him back to his house. And since they didn't have the car of their own, the man waited for, the family, to basically pack up for two weeks. And around 1.21 a.m. on August the 2nd of 1989, all four members of the Jack family were seen leaving their home at 2116 Strathcona Avenue as they were getting into the man's four-wheel drive dark-colored pickup truck. The family was officially reported missing on August the 25th, 1989. Their disappearance is the first and only of its kind in Canadian history. No other total family unit has ever disappeared at the same time,
0: without a trace. Man, that's the craziest part. I'm yeah, like, there's other than what you we'll cover in a minute. There's been no clues or evidence or anything except for one phone call, which we'll cover in a minute. But Yet- still, I mean, physical evidence, nothing.
1: RCMP searched the area around Prince George by foot and by air, but turned up nothing. It is interesting to note that when the police spoke with the logging camps operating in the area, none of them said that they were hiring at the time. So let's fast forward to September the 7th, 1989. And according to the Prince George citizen newspaper, and I actually got to see this. So thank you, Prince George citizen newspaper for making your archives available to everyone. What, you know, not behind a paywall.
0: Good God, it's, it's ridiculous it now. Is. Everything's a paywall.
1: hmm The s- clipping was, uh, you know, maybe inch, two inches long, but it said, quote, a Buns Lake family which hadn't been heard from in more than four weeks has been found safe and sound, Prince George RCMP said today. Ronnie and Doreen Jack, both 26, and their children, Ryan, four, and Russell, nine, were reported missing by Ronnie's father on August 25th. He had not heard from them since August 1st when they had left Burns Lake to find work in the Klukels area. Prince George RCMP publicized the family's disappearance August 30th, and the family recently contacted them and Ronnie's worried father to say that they were all right. Which leads you to believe that someone, if not Ronnie, made a phone call to at least the RCMP and his dad to say that he was okay. Which is extremely odd considering that no one has laid eyes on them since they left their house that evening. So we either have an imposter making a phone call to throw off the authorities or they actually made it to a camp and phoned in. My bet is we have an imposter. You think? I think. Sometimes I think well. Now, nearly seven years later, the most significant tip about the Jack family's disappearance would come on a Sunday morning in January. On January 28, 1996, at 8.33 a.m., a man in Stony Creek, British Columbia, called Vanderhoof Police with a brief message. Quote, The Jack family are buried in the south end of Undiscernible Ranch, end quote.
0: Now, undiscernible means they didn't understand it, or is it undeserved? The name of it is Undiscernible Ranch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the name of it is they can't figure out what the man said, and they even sent the tapes off to a Canadian university to have them amplified and looked over, and they couldn't figure out what the man said.
0: It has to be on purpose. Like, you can't, you're not going to speak clearly, and then the most important word, all of a sudden, you just can't understand. That's definitely deliberate, if you ask me.
1: That's deliberate fuckery, if you, yeah.
0: Say that again. I said, that's
1: deliberate fuckery right there.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: So. It was over in 10 seconds. The caller had hung up before the dispatch could ask any questions. Investigators published several appeals in local newspapers asking the person to call again and plan to release the recording of the caller's voice if they didn't. In March of 1996, the voice recording was analyzed by the University of British Columbia The voice on the line was really muffled and hard to hear, and even after trying to clean up the audio on the call, the police were unable to hear exactly what the ranch name was or its location. The police thought that the tipster said that the family was buried on the south end of Gordy's Ranch. The RCMP searched what they thought was the right Gordy's Ranch, but did not find any trace of the missing family. Now, the caller's phone number was traced to the Stony Creek area of British Columbia. Although police were eventually able to trace the call to a house in Vanderhoof where a house party had taken place during the time frame of the call, it's unclear if the caller was ever identified. It was the first and only tip in the family's disappearance. RCMP would go as far to interview the party goers, but discovered no new leads and could not identify the person who made the phone call. Since the investigation began, the RCMP have conducted hundreds of interviews, obtained thousands of documents related to the case, and have searched several properties for Ronnie, Doreen, Russell, and Ryan. The most recent search for the Jack family took place in 2019 at a property south of Vanderhoof on the Saikus First Nation Reserve. They even used ground-penetrating radar and heavy equipment to dig, but no trace of the family was ever found. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is about all the facts of the case. Now we get into the theories that are prevalent out there on the old interwebs, which one of the first ones to come up, and this doesn't make much sense, but I'll go ahead and read it. It says that whoever the guy was was impaired and drove off the road into thick brush or bush and have not been found while that is a reasonable possibility considering the train of the area the jack family didn't own their own car and were most certainly still traveling with the unidentified man if he had driven off the road on the r- way to a camp it seems real likely that his employer or his family would have notified police about his disappearance as well the rcmp contacted several logging camps like i said previously and those camps said, uh, no, we ain't hiring, so I don't know what you're talking about. Another theory is that Ronnie was involved in some sort of illegal activity and that he was forced to tell his family the story about leaving town to cover up the disappearance. There is no suggestion from the RCMP that this is the case, and if Ronnie was involved in something illegal, why would he take his entire family? The most disturbing theory is that Ronnie was duped by the unidentified man, that there was no camp, there was no job, and the story was a ruse by the man to lure the entire family out of town for some other purpose, and that other purpose has been theorized as basically killing the parents and taking the kids. Another theory is that the job was real, but it took place under irregular or illegal conditions and if there was a disagreement between the family and the employer, someone figured out that it was better to kill and hide the entire family than to put the whole business at risk, which seems a little far-fetched to kill the entire family. But anyway, tracking their whereabouts without a written contract has been impossible. Now, a interesting couple of theories that we will touch on. One is... They think that, and by they, the interweb sleuthers, that there was a case in 2004, 2003. Basically, this lady's name was Nicole Horror. And 250news.com stated that on Sunday, August 30th, 2009, investigators looking into her disappearance zoned in on a five-acre piece of land in the Isle Pierre region west of Prince George. The mobile home and surrounding property that was front and center in the investigation was formerly owned by Leland Chuggy Switzer. You know old Chuggy. <laughs> Chuggy? How do you get Chuggy from Leland?
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure he was uh, probably an avid drinker and liked to drink it fast, so that's clearly a you know an adequate name for him.
1: I stand corrected. (laughs) Now, old Chuggy is now serving a life uh, prison sentence for the shooting death of his brother just two days after Nicole went missing. On August 31st, 2004, police questioned old Chuggy at the Baldy Hughes site. During the interview, Chuggy told investigators he believed that a neighbor near the property in which he occupied with his wife and family, should be a prime suspect in Nicole's disappearance. He also then suggested to investigators at the time that he believed the Jack family had been held captive by another man in the area on that property. The neighbor, who was 40 to 45 years old in 2004, would now be roughly, what, 65, 68
0: yeah, something like
1: that. The police have, over the years, centered a great deal of their investigation on the trailers located at the end of Pinewood Road past Isle Pierre Mill. But, like we said, there has been nothing found of the Jack family. The next crazy theory, and this son of a gun's still alive, so I don't know if he was just the th- starting out with his craziness or whatever. But it's the Pat Carson theory. Now, Pat also would pose as Bill O'Brien, and he is renowned for reaching out to people after seeing them post an ad for work or overhearing someone looking for work. He would paint a picture of this beautiful homestead where horses would run wild and there are fields of organic, quote, cancer-curing, end quote, tea growing all over the farm. He wanted the Mark in this play, in this case to be his business partner and move to Alberta and help him run a horse tourism business. Now this shitbag was still attempting this scam as late as 2018 and there is an entire Reddit thread about him along with someone who is even more mad that made a blog spot about this POS. And you can look it up at patcarsonsexoffender.blogspot.com. So this is a real nice piece of shit we're dealing with here. The theory is that the Jack family somehow crossed paths with him or he is the unidentified man at the bar. The question is, where in the hell are either A, their remains, or has anyone really Ever question old Pat about the Jack family? Now, the most liked theory online is that the Jack family somehow crossed paths with Bobby Jack Fowler. And if you don't know anything about old Bobby Jack, he is a convicted serial killer that operated along the Highway of Tears or Highway 16. And he had multiple victims between Prince George and Prince Rupert. Old Bobby Jack was known to frequent the same bar that Ronnie was last seen in. No one knows whether the man Ronnie met in the bar that night was Bobby Jack. He doesn't fit the description given by patrons, but that isn't to say that old Bobby Jack wasn't there and overheard the conversation and may have pulled the ruse and there was actually work, And then he stepped in and said, Hey, I overheard that you are going to go to a camp, a logging camp. I've got a four-wheel drive, and I'm headed that way. Do you need a lift? Now, authorities have contacted old goofball, and he is being extremely quiet about what is going on. So those are the theories out there about the missing Jack family. So let us know what you think is a good theory, because I don't really have one. The child trafficking, I guess, is what you could call it, like abducting the family to get the children, kind of makes sense. But then again, you would think that, someone would recognize, because they've done age progressions of the kids, and every year I think they release a new missing poster for the entire family. Now, Doreen's sister is the one that has been leading the charge and keeping the uh, case in the papers. I don't really think he was into anything illegally. I don't think that he crossed paths with nefarious dealings like an illegal camp, because I think back then... People would have said, you know, when they interviewed those camps, they probably would have said, look, we're not hiring, but rumor is there's an off-the-grid illegal camp over here. You might want to go check it out. I don't think Pat Carson was smart enough to come all the way down to Prince George. He's stuck near Alberta. It's not to say that he didn't try, because the way I found him was someone put on... Reddit that he tried to get them to come work on this horse farm in twenty nineteen and she's the one that said, Hey, this guy's a piece of shit, watch out for him. I don't know about Bobby Jack Fowler. He him being a serial killer, I think he gets a nod just because he was in the area, but again, he doesn't fit the description.
0: Could he have been wearing a disguise though? I mean
1: Well, and I wonder what's the situation in that bar. I mean I'm thinking a, a dive bar. There's pictures of it and they say it basically closes a couple of months out of the year just because of the weather, but they say that there's some rough cods that come through that place. Um I mean,
0: I'm sure. I mean, a dive bar in the middle of nowhere, British Columbia, unsavory <laughs> individuals that partake in the uh the spirits there. I'm thinking
1: you may have the hot weight clothing kind of Even that, I mean, the boots, I think you could, we can say, yeah, for sure. The height and weight, probably close to that. But if it's a dark, dusty, nasty old bar, you know, it could possibly not have been a red checkered shirt. He could have had on white pants instead of what they thought were faded jeans. And so, again, I don't know a whole lot about how Bobby Jack Fowler operated his Ruse to get victims, but I mean, on the surface, he is probably my most likely candidate. Other than that, man, these people just vanished like a fart in a dust storm. I mean, the whole family's gone. Yeah. And then that odd newspaper article, roughly a month later, said that someone called and said, "Hey, we're okay. Don't worry about us. We're up here." But that's one day before Ronnie had told his mom that they would be back in town because school was starting. So, again, that doesn't make much sense. So, I don't know. This one is a head-scratcher.
0: Well, I mean, clearly, something nefarious happened to this family. They have been completely gone for 32 32 years and change, with zero trace. I think they didn't make it past that night, to be honest with you.
1: Well, I'll say this. I don't think Ronnie and Doreen made it past that night. Now, the kids, I don't know, somebody had theorized on Reddit that they ran into a sadistic piece of shit and he either tortured the kids and made the parents watch, or vice versa. I really don't want to think about that.
0: That's there's some evil in this world though. I mean we we of course know that. We've covering this damn podcast for what, two and a half, three years now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what some, my wife asked me something the other day and I said, Well, the one thing I can tell you is there's some nasty motherfuckers out there.
0: <laughs> but other than that, I mean this is a this is question is why though I mean clearly I, yeah. something bad happened to him but why just out of sheer evil or here's my no thing reason for it but because I mean there's they didn't have anything
1: no they were they, living they, on they, welfare
0: everything of value really they were poor they were desperate for work and just I mean me myself I would have to be very desperate for work to be convinced at. What eleven thirty is when they supposedly left the bar? Yeah, like I can get you a job and your wife a job, but you have to leave right now. It's eleven thirty at night, and you're going to convince me to go to some random logging camp to find work. I mean, that's desperation right there.
1: Here's what I think, and this is strictly just opinion, but I think Ronnie didn't make it to daylight.
0: I think. I I think think so.
1: I think Doreen and the kids could have been used in ways that I don't want to verbalize, but I would dare say that unless Ronnie and Doreen were killed or disposed of without the kids knowing it, I think that whole family didn't make it more than a week. If you're looking at taking the kids and basically selling them either into forced labor or, other nasty shit short of someone paying for an adoption off the records those kids I don't think have survived either
0: not at all I don't, I, I honestly think they didn't, none of them made it past the night I think the guy just took them out and killed them all just for the fuck of it I guess
1: yeah it's definitely crazy I don't know if I don't know you know i just every time it's this is one of those cases where every time i come up with something it doesn't make sense as i start to talk so i'm just gonna stop (laughs) all right coach what you got for recommendation
0: i'm gonna recommend the youtube channel dark curiosities which is some of the research i did on this case they have a pretty good video on it that uh pretty short about 15 minutes but it details a whole lot And it's a good channel, so check it out. That's my recommendation.
1: I'm going to recommend the Gray Man series. It was a lot better than I thought. I think it's on Netflix. I don't know to be honest with you. It could be on Amazon. I have no idea. But it's it was a lot better than I thought it would be. I watched the Gray Man.
0: Oh, Gray Man. Oh, okay.
1: It's not bad. Uh, I have kind of uh, lost my fervor for the Old Man. They kind of beat a subplot into the ground to where I was like, all right, y'all got to clean this shit up. So I still got two episodes left to see if they do, but it was real good. They started off strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coach, you got anything else? Oh man, you know, I don't (laughs) deuces.